Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 107. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the podcast, I am so excited to have Kelly Casso joining me. Kelly joins to talk about her brand new book, The Integrity Advantage. And it's a book that I have read and thoroughly enjoyed. Kelly is the CEO of the Ford Institute, which is a foundation started by Debbie Ford, who is the author of The Dark Side of the Light Chasers and A Spiritual Divorce which you will hear us talk about in this episode. I adored getting to speak with Kelly, and I know you'll want to catch everything she has to say about integrity, how we can spiral up together, and how to get in alignment with your own enlightenment. She really dives in and talks about how she chooses joy in her life, how she got to where she is now, and I know these are two topics that you guys just love to hear more about from guests. Before we get into the interview with Kelly, I want to first say welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad that you are here, and I honestly feel like one of the luckiest podcasters out there. I am so glad that you guys are here to listen in each week, and I want to thank you for being an amazing part of this show. I publish show notes for each episode that include links to the guest's website and additional references. Along with some of my thoughts, I try and do a wrap-up in that blog post about what my main takeaways are from each of the interviews. And you can find those show notes for this episode on the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 107. Or if you just go to jumpstartyourjoy.com, it'll be right there on the homepage if you're listening in this week. Two things that I want to ask of you guys this week. One, would you be so kind as to share Jumpstart Your Joy with a friend or two? If you know somebody who loves podcasts and loves inspiration, please send them over to jumpstartyourjoy.com. And here's the second thing. If you're looking for more joy in your life, I have a free class that is all about finding more joy, and it is called Joy Plus You Unleashed. You can sign up for it right on the homepage of jumpstartyourjoy.com. So it was truly amazing to get to speak with Kelly, and I was delighted that we had so much in common, which you will get to hear. Both of us were inspired to dive inward after getting divorced. Both of us are also previous perfectionists and people pleasers, and we've really dug in and done a lot of internal work in our own ways. I love getting to talk to Kelly about her path, which includes having been a lawyer and a Brown graduate, and I adore her story of actively choosing a different path from that initial journey she was on when she wanted to live beyond her own to-do list. You're going to love her description of integrity, which is, and I quote, owning all of who we are and living in alignment with our grandest self. So let's get on to that interview. Here is Kelly Cosow. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I am so excited to have Kelly Casso on the show. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Kelly. Well, oh, thank you. It's a total delight to have you on the show. The first question that I ask everyone is, tell us about what you loved most as a child. What were your earliest sparks of joy? My earliest sparks of joy? It's a great question. And one would definitely be my dolls. 
I loved my dolls. And I think that now that I'm kind of this expert in shadow work, when I go back and look at it, I probably projected all my light onto my dolls. They had the life that I wanted to have. They had the clothes. They had the pink cars. They had the fan. And I'd have not only the Barbies and the Kens, but I'd have families like the Von Trapp family and everything. I loved, I guess I've always had somewhat of a vivid, creative imagination. Mm-hmm. And my dolls were like that. And it was just a magical closet that I would open up and there what they would be. And they were my hopes and dreams for my future. So now if I was looking at it, I go, I projected my light on my doll. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ooh, yeah. Well, and, and I sense that there's maybe a larger theme of that you really love musicals. Is that true? Well, I, I love musicals. And of mm-hmm. course, I still love musicals and mm-hmm. especially musicals now. And I have a great musical story when we get into claiming my light that helped me write the book. It was watching Hamilton (gasps) and seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda and anyone we're awed by in our work, let's just jump in there, anyone we're awed by and that is really just, you know, our mouths are open and like, oh my gosh, that's our light. What we're projecting on them is a light shadow. And so I saw Hamilton. It was interesting. I was in New York and I was interviewing different agents or they were interviewing me Mm -hmm. in terms of doing my book. And I saw Hamilton and I was in such awe and I'm sitting there going, okay, what's the light I'm projecting on him? What's the light? Because I'm always living in this mindset. And like, what is it? And as I'm sitting there, I go, he is a creative genius. And I knew right then and there and that that was the next bit of light I needed to own in order to take my next evolutionary leap. And so, yes, I guess my love for musicals started then, and it's now. I mean, I love Dear Evan Hansen. I love Hamilton, Come From Away, all these things, and I love going to, because I love stories, and I think that was the other thing with the dolls. I love stories. I like making up stories in my doll, and I think that's the way we get close to one another people share your stories. I mean, you're a coach too, and it's, Mm -hmm. and you know that someone will identify with your story and that's how they'll feel that connection with you. Yes. You know, in my book about integrity, it really starts with me on the day of my wedding Mm -hmm. and I live in Miami. So I had a towel over my head. And I say that was the metaphor for the whole marriage, you know, kind of having this towel over and only wanting selective and knowing I was like, this probably wasn't what I should be doing. And every time I tell that story, those two lines, you don't know how many people say to me, oh, me too. (laughs) Yes. Well, and I'm just thinking, oh, me too. I mean, and and my story is so interesting reading your book, which is, of course, the integrity advantage. And it is so good. I was nodding the entire way through. I'm also a divorcee. And that thing there with a towel, I had given my husband at the time, or, you know, as our marriage gift, I gave him this enormous lead key. And I said, this is the key to my heart. Later, he used it as a doorstop. <laughs> Literally oh used it God. as a doorstop for our bedroom. And I was like, well, oh and that's God. it. The metaphor is like mine never showed up for in the judge, you know, when they 
said you're adjudicated when you have to go to the court for that yes. last thing. And I went, this is a perfect metaphor for the marriage. It was me. <laughs> and then he was off doing something else. Mm-hmm. So I totally get that. And that's the thing. And that goes back to stories. Mm-hmm. And it's, I love stories. I feel as a coach and as a workshop leader, it's an honor. And even in this book, you know, it's an honor when someone shares their story with you. And yes. I hold it like it's like a precious newborn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is what connects us. So it is. Yeah. Well, My love of story started back then. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And that's such a beautiful place, especially because it was dolls that you could kind of craft the story with and yeah, identify with. I love it. Well, and so you're currently the CEO of the Ford Institute and you were a lawyer before you became a coach. Right. What was that? What was that path like? And how did you kind of get to where you are today? Well, it is, it's so great when you think about it, because I have three daughters now. Mm-hmm. And of course, being a coach, what's your vision? Who do you want to be in the world? We're always holding people to their highest. Mm-hmm. Back in the day when I was in college, no one ever asked me, what did I want to do? What was my vision? Who did I want to be? What did I love? And so very honestly, I was also, you know, when I heard that question, what, what did you love as a child? I loved being first. You know, I love being the first in the class. I love doing my, handing my math homework in first. My perfectionist persona popped up quite early in life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I think, you know, going to law school, it was like, okay, that makes sense to me because I was always very driven by my mind. So, okay, I went to Brown University and then it was like, okay, what am I going to do now? I don't know. And I never one ever asked, what did you want to do? It just seemed like a lot, the next right move going, getting a graduate degree. Mm-hmm. And then it was after that, you know, I practiced for a little while. I got marriage. I had, you know, I talk about it in my book. I had my to-do list of life, you know, <laughs> check, double check, get married, have children, retire from your profession. That's what the checks were kind of thing. Yes. And then very interestingly, the one thing as life would, a group of friends had a woman's group. And I think you get as women, or I got so involved in all these different roles, mother, daughter, wife, you know, school community, that the one thing I forgot about was my girlfriends, which was a very integral part of my, always my life, having close women friends that I bonded with and talked with and all this other stuff. So I was invited to be part of a, of a woman's circle. And that evolved over the years, and we would start traveling together. We ended up doing, like, spiritual things together. We studied The Course in Miracles together. We studied shamanism together. We would do sweat lodges together. And we studied the ancient goddesses together, and we'd have teachers come in. Mm -hmm. And so two of the other women and I started, we decided, how do we share? Because I'm always, how do I share what I love with other people. How do I take other people over the bridge? Because I was brought over the bridge by so many fabulous people. And so we created a game called Go Goddess. And it was about bringing women together. It was a beautiful game that women would discuss the issues because as women, we don't necessarily have to solve them, but we like to discuss them. And it's Mm -hmm. one woman sharing their wisdom, standing on each other's shoulders. And so in doing that, we got great press. This was at the beginning of 2000. We were in Oprah. We were in People. We People were having Go Goddess parties. We were in InStyle. And as a result of that, we got all these invitations to come speak at workshops and come do interactive workshops and, and hold groups. And I was like, wow, 
Now I'm at the front of the room. People are looking at me like an expert and I might be a great girlfriend, but I was not qualified to hold people through deep stuff. Mm. At that time, life coaching had just come into vogue. I asked everyone around, what's the best life coaching training? Because I I wanted to be in integrity. And everyone said the Ford Institute, like run, don't walk the Mm. Ford Institute. So I jumped right in. I took the year-long training, never thinking I would coach because I had this other business. Then we ended up selling the other business. And at the time, Debbie wrote, as I know you know, an amazing book called Spiritual Divorce. Mm, And at the time, I was realizing my marriage was over. She then created a Healing Your Heart coaching program, which was very relationship-based. And when she offered to train her coaches, I went into that training. There were 17 of us. Mm-hmm. And at that time, my marriage, you know, was over and it was, and I really got back my life. So when it was, I had sold my business, now I'm divorced. And I realized, of course, okay, what do I want to do next? I loved in spiritual divorce that the subtitle is Divorce, a Catalyst for an Extraordinary Life. Mm-hmm. And yes. I really had seen through doing this work, you know, I was finally owning my extraordinary life, that it was the catalyst, that I had to go through the dark night of the soul to get this rebirth. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to share that with other people. I didn't want to do mediation. I went back. I got certified as a family law mediator. I was thinking of going to divorce law, family law. And then I said, no, this is what really brought me over the bridge. How do I bring other people over the bridge? I started coaching full-time. Debbie asked me to be on staff to train other people to be coaches, lead some of her other programs. And as time went on, she just kept giving me more and more responsibility. And, you know, she ended up leaving the Institute to myself and and Julie Stroud, another amazing coach and, and person. And so I look back and I just think of really the divine design of life. Like who would have ever thought But when you're in relationship with the universe, you get like, wow, it's not at all what I expected. And I couldn't expect anything. I couldn't have dreamed anything better. Right. Mm. Yeah. And the whole dark night of the soul thing. I mean, I know you referenced because we we shared that a spiritual divorce was also instrumental in my own what rebirth, really. I mean, after going through that same thing and. I don't know how I found that book. I certainly didn't know who Debbie Ford was at the time. And that was the one that stuck. Like, I think I bought three or four books going, there's got to be, there's something here. I have to dig in. And interestingly enough, it also led me then to become a retreat leader after I'd gone through all of that, you know, with a background in religious studies. But that book is so beautiful. I mean, I also love Dark Side of the Light Chasers. But I don't know. Do you want to speak a little bit about it sounds like you were probably near and with her as that book was being crafted. Is there? She had written the book before she did the coach's training. And okay. I did not know Debbie when she was going through the book. And I, like you, read all the divorce books. And very honestly, they made me so depressed that I would go right to the refrigerator. I couldn't mm. handle it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It was like, oh, I'm just going to eat over this one if this is going to be my life. And, but <laughs> totally spiritual yes. divorce. Because it is, that's what a spiritual divorce is. It's really about this getting that everything that happens is happening for your evolution Mm -hmm. and getting, okay, how did I 
not only did how did I co-create what happened in the marriage, and it has you look at, you know, really take responsibility. Um, life isn't happening to you. The relationship mm-hmm. wasn't happening to you. It was happening for you, right. for your evolution. And obviously, and so what did I need to learn? What was, you know, if projection, she talks about projection in that book. You know, and what was I projecting on my ex or anyone that I needed to own back so I could be whole? Mm -hmm. And so for me, spiritual divorce was such a great way to reframe because transformation is a shift in perception. Something that I didn't like was a hot potato. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I was so afraid. But it was like, wow, I get it. And it really flipped the way I looked at life. Like, it's the best teacher. Mm-hmm. But if I'm not willing to look at what am I supposed to be learning all this and why did I call forth this relationship? Because, you know, that goes back to the shadow and the internal blueprint inside of us that not only drives our behaviors and our patterns and our thoughts, but also calls forth the experiences we need in this lifetime mm-hmm. so our soul can evolve. Right. Mm, yes. Well, and it just felt like it was, and it's probably different for all different people. I mean, seeing as we all have a different path and our soul has a different path, but it's just interesting that there was something about a divorce because I know for me, at least it felt like I had let God down or something along those lines. That, that was my, yeah. And it was a big failure for me is what right. it felt like. So I, I think it's interesting because I feel like there's that tie through in your book as well about getting to that place where You can't really look away. I think you even have a quote in there about there's no other way. You just have to go through it. And Mm. I don't know. How does that, there's something there about integrity as well. It's almost like it calls us into our own integrity. Do you want to talk a little bit about how those moments kind of call us in and then help craft us to something new? Well, because you want to always be looking at, so my definition of integrity is owning all of who you are which is wholeness, is shadow work, and living in alignment with your deepest truths and grandest visions. And for me, what I realized is originally I was going to write a book called The Divorce Diet because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden after my divorce, I let something go and you start, people are like, what did you do differently? And I was like, oh, I got a divorce. But then I realized it wasn't the divorce that made let's say, me heavy, quote unquote, or the divorce that made me lose weight or get a life, it was being out of integrity Mm. that had me self-sabotage. And that when we're not in integrity with ourselves, when we're stepping over our truth, when we're compromising ourselves, when we're playing small, when we're not letting our voice be heard, we don't feel that good about ourselves and our self-worth plummets. And then when our self-worth plummets, we engage in self-sabotaging behaviors or we want to numb out so we don't feel the pain. And Mm -hmm. so it's a downward spiral that happens because there is this connection between integrity, self-worth, and self-sabotage. Yet, when we finally get in alignment with our deepest truth and our grandest visions and start owning who we are on the inside. Then we start, our self-worth goes up 
and we start making great choices for ourselves and we don't ignore our boundaries and we don't quiet our voice. We are able to speak our truth and we're not playing small and this and stuff. So we feel good about ourselves and we rise up in this feeling of, okay, I want to make more healthy choices because I, I'm so turned on by who I am and the life I create. There is no going back. There is no going back to sitting silent. There is no going back to breaking your word to yourself. Mm-hmm. There is no going back about to self-sabotage. You just, you can't live that way anymore. So for me, integrity was the lifestyle coming from this place of self-referral. And then it just made my self-worth go up, my choices go up, and just, it became this like shooting star. (laughs) Yeah. And it is amazing how the things build on one another, both when you're sliding into the space of self-sabotage, but also then once you've hit the space of integrity and kind of writing it back out. Yes. There's no other way to live life. And it makes life Mm. so clear because you are taking responsibility in a different way and it makes life easy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. What if someone is sitting in the audience saying, yeah, I feel like I'm in that space because I, I think if I speak of my own experience, I feel like I knew I was in the space of self-sabotage and not feeling good about myself before the divorce ever became the thing that then catapulted me out of it. What if somebody is sitting in that space right now and they kind of know this isn't what I want and I want a whole lot more? How do they say yes to the integrity piece of it and move themselves out? Well, generally, two things. One is generally pain is the great motivator. Like I talk in the book about the intolerance of my mediocrity and I got to a place of intolerance like I could not stand myself anymore. I would just be sitting at a dinner table and I had nothing more to say because I was just in that question, do I stay or do I go? And like every ounce of joy or personality, I was dead. And finally, I got to that space of I couldn't tolerate. I couldn't tolerate settling. I couldn't tolerate making the unacceptable acceptable anymore. And so, you know, maybe it is that rock bottom. Maybe it is you get to that point of enough is enough. But I think there always is. One of the things that I like about my book or I love about my book, honestly, is that there is a difference between acknowledgement and acceptance. And that road can be very long. And so even though I knew on the day of my wedding, probably ain't going to work out so well. (laughs) It took me a very long time to finally get its time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, so anyone sitting out there know that when finally you get to that point, enough is enough. But I also think that the integrity snatchers, fear, shame, all those like, you know, the story you tell yourself of what's going to happen to you if you make that change, you've got to bust them for what they are. They're just lies, their thoughts, whatever. And so if anything, with all the people that I work with and know, I would say, you know, they only wish they knew then what they knew after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yes, you will get to some point in time where you just can't cheat yourself anymore hopefully. And that will be a good thing. The breakdown will bring the breakthrough. 
Yes. You know, certainly find someone to work with that can support you through it and have compassion about yourself because there is that road between acknowledgement and acceptance. And for and for some people, look, the confines of their comfort zone does sometimes feel good. But they don't get that after a while, once you go through it, a change, you realize your comfort zone can be your cage. And for me, the whole thing was a huge gift of liberation. Yeah. I very much like what you're saying about the comfort zone being so, I mean, it's it's so easy to stay there, but yet so painful to be there at the same time. It's, It's a strange place to be. Well, and that's why I talk in my book about always look like, who do I want to be in the world? Mm-hmm. And especially for me, I had three daughters. So that question, and it's part of my integrity protection program, even to this day, who do I want to be in this world? And I'm always thinking about the legacy I leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a big one, especially when you, you may be someone is out there feeling stuck or confused or like, this isn't quite it. And I don't know what is. Yeah. I love in your book that you talk about the integrity alignment monitor. And I think that's that's a great segue right there of like, what is it and how can it help us maybe also through that process? Well, I, I got to tell you, when I that kind of that download came that day, I loved it because, you know, and then I call it the I am. Mm-hmm. And as an acronym or whatever, I integrity alignment monitor. And enlightenment is about saying I am. I am that. I am that. I am that. I am that. And so the integrity alignment monitor is really about you will never be happy if you don't take that U-turn back to yourself. So many of us are outer referred. You know, we're looking to the world to tell us what we should be wearing or who we should be following, or we look to the outer world for validation, for love, for our answers. And so we're very much what I would call outer referred. And we're trying to get that validation and acceptance from out there. And that never works really that well. (laughs) I say, if you're trying to keep up, you're always coming from a place of lack. And if you're always looking to the outer world, you're like a dog running around. So the integrity alignment monitor is about taking that U-turn back to yourself. It's about stopping and saying, what are asking, you know, what is right for me in this moment? What do I want to do? What is my truth? What am I feeling? Even quieting down to listen. How do I feel in this relationship? How do I feel in this space? You know, as you know, Debbie was, she was, the reason that her work lives on is because it wasn't guru or Debbie centric. It was very much based on all your answers lie within. Mm -hmm. But most of us, don't look there for our answers because we're looking to the outer world for our answers. So the integrity alignment monitor is really coming back and looking inside. What is in alignment with my truth, with my vision, with my highest self and living your life from that place? Yeah. And it is so hard sometimes to live from that place. Probably what? Because most all of the external messaging we get is about the comparison and And I know you talk about social media in the book, and I love the reflections of that. And there's just so much external to us that's pushing us to then also measure ourselves by that external. By how many likes we get on Facebook or (laughs) someone that we don't even know, like swipes right or left on our picture or the number on the scale or the number in your bank account or whatever it is, those outer things. 
can make or ruin someone's whole day. And how powerless can you feel by that? Mm-hmm. And so you've got to start owning all of who you are and coming from, and that's what self-love is about. It's about honoring yourself. It's about what do I want in this moment? How do I feel in this moment? Who do I want to be with? What is my truth? And setting boundaries and protecting it. So yes, there's the integrity alignment monitor, and then it goes into the integrity protection program. Yes, because we have to protect. We have to have things like boundaries and all those other things that really honor who we are and keep us in integrity, structures for success, all of those things that keep us at our highest and in alignment with, you know, it's like doing maintenance after a diet. Mm -hmm. Once you get there, how do you continue to live? And that's why it is a lifestyle. Yeah, well, and I know I loved so much of your book because, I mean, it really clearly being part of the Ford Institute, it's clear that you would then continue her work. It's just, it was such a, it was like the next piece. I mean, it really was a lovely a lovely book. And I was so delighted to get to read it. So thank you for sharing it all with us. I loved what shadow work is huge. I mean, I would say everyone has to do shadow work and more and more you hear people talking about shadow work. So I don't think there's any work I could do without talking about shadow work because that was the first After all the books on my nightstand and all the sweat lodges and rebirthing and that it was shadow work that did change my life and created a sustained change. It wasn't like, okay, my wife got better for a week and then it went back. Mm -hmm. It was a sustained change. And I was like, wow. So yeah, sometimes, yeah, I think the beginning of the book, it is a love letter to shadow work, to the shadow process the weekend workshop that Debbie created and still lives on Mm -hmm. because that will always be, that was the fundamental key. And I'll always be forever grateful. And I'll always say, yes, do this has to be a part of anyone's wellness program. Yeah. And something very interesting. I mean, I don't know if you'd like to explain a little bit if people are not familiar with what shadow work means. It was deeply meaningful for me. And I know I wasn't really ready when I first read a spiritual divorce for it. It took another decade, really, before I really could dive into shadow work. And then it it required support. I'll say that too, of feeling like I was in a safe space with people. This is in coach training, but where I could really dive in and embrace all the pieces of myself. And it it is, it's totally life-changing. So if you would explain it, I know people would love to hear about it from your perspective. Absolutely. Because as young for me, you know, Mm -hmm. being a perfectionist, you know, it was like my whole life was driven by being smart, by being talented, by being creative. You know, there were like five characteristics that I just strive to be. And I didn't get about anything else. I just wanted to be the, those five things had to be on my resume. And I had to keep trying to prove to the world that I was that. And forget about any of the others. So shadow work, the shadow is the parts of ourselves, dark and light, that we don't own, that we don't see in ourselves, that we deny, that we deem unacceptable. It's especially, and when we're talking about the dark shadows, it's the part of ourselves that we don't even know that is there. And the light shadows, all these parts of ourselves, our brilliance, 
our stupidity, our selflessness, our selfishness, that we don't even might not know they're there. Mm -hmm. And so shadow work, because we spent so much denying them, so shadow work is about bringing the light to that which is in the dark, that which we don't see. And it's all predicated on this concept of wholeness. And I personally love the line, and shadow work is not religious, but that God didn't give us any spare parts. So all of the traits that we see in others, all of the emotions that we see in others, whether you like them, whether it's Lin-Manuel Miranda and he's a creative genius, anything that I see in him is in me. And of course, anything that I see in people that I don't like that triggers me, that's in me too. So if I look at someone and say, they're untrustworthy, and I'm really triggered by that, I have to look at myself and say, hmm, how am I that? And the thing is, every characteristic has a gift. And so we want to be able, it's like all our characteristics and all of our emotions, they're in this huge toolbox. But if you can't have a relationship, if I can't be with my anger, then I'll never be able to have an appropriate relationship with that. And of course, then at some point, I'll push it down, push it down, push it down. Debbie used to do this great illustration about the beach balls until one day it implodes and it hits me in the face and it splashes on everybody else. So shadow work is really about owning that everything's already inside of you. You just have to get tapped back into getting access to it. And we integrate our gifts back by, A, unconcealing what we have denied, and then owning that I am that, getting how you've displayed it, and then being able to see the gifts in it. So, like, if I don't want to be selfish, so many people, they don't want to be selfish. No, I can't be selfish. I don't want to be selfish like my mother. I don't mean to be selfish. And so, of course, you spend your whole life being selfless and giving, giving, giving until you've got nothing more to give and you're just like flat on the couch. And wouldn't it serve you to own back selfish so you could say no, so you could take a day and just do nothing instead of always running around doing things for other people? And the great thing about the more you own inside When you get that everything is inside of you, if your outer world is a reflection of your inner world and you're only owning 50% of who you are, then you're only going to be able to manifest 50% in the outer world. 75%, if that's all you're owning inside, then that's what you'll be able to manifest because it's like a scientific equation almost. When you start owning all of who you are, what you can manifest is exponential. And the other thing is, when someone says to you, oh, you're that, instead of getting all triggered and losing your cool, oh my God, I don't want to know that I'm that. You Mm -hmm. go, yeah, I am that. And I'm that. And I'm that. And I'm that. And, you know, I can be the smartest person in the world and I can be the most stupid person in the world. But I have full choice that I can say to someone, look, No, I don't know. I totally, like, I'm geographically challenged when it comes to directions. And I have no shame saying when it comes to, like, I'm the stupidest person. Let's ask Siri or get on Google Maps or something. Mm -hmm. And so it's really owning all of who you are. And that is freedom. Mm -hmm. Because no one can say to you, you're that and you don't feel shame. 
you're like, yeah, I am that. And I'm that. And I'm that. And I'm that. And I think for most of us, we've been trying to fix ourselves, change ourselves. God forbid you should see that I'm stupid and I'm just going to go get more degrees and more degrees and more degrees to prove to the world that I'm smart. And when you're being run by a shadow, something that you don't want to be, you lose your ability to choose because your shadow runs you. Like, even if I don't want to take another course, I'm going to do it because I want to prove to the world, look how smart I am. Right. And then the motivation isn't necessarily the joy or the excitement or love that you have of it. It's coming really from a place of fear, which... You're being run by a shadow, which underneath the shadow is shame. It's something happened when I was a little kid. I got up to read in third grade and I stuttered and all the kids laughed at me. Mm -hmm. So I decided, oh my God, I can never be stupid. So it's that wound Mm -hmm. that happens under the age of 10 that is then running your life and driving your choices. So you're 100% light. You're not choosing out of joy. You're choosing out of shame. Well, and I I know... One of the most interesting things about doing shadow work for me and one of the hardest things was kind of that thing where maybe you look in a mirror and you say the thing that you really fear that you might be yeah. because you are, you are that thing, you know, yeah. but then and the there's power always of the release. And when yeah. we do shadow process, we do a lot of experiences because the mind can't take you where the heart wants to go. So that's why we always give that the shadow process is an experience of transformation. Because you do have that cellular shift like, okay, so I'm stupid, big deal. You can be stupid and always also smart. You can be greedy and you can be generous. And there's a time for each of us. Yes. And they both have their gifts. And that's... Absolutely. It all has its <laughs> gift. And yeah. you just want to have access to all the traits so you can have choice. Yes. Yes. As to which one are you using and why are you using yeah. it? In a moment. Yeah, it's, it's, thank you for explaining the shadow work. Like I said, it's so powerful and so interesting to see. I mean, and I know in Dark Side of the Light Chasers, there's a portion about it about how you have so many different shadow parts of yourself. And it's naming the ladies on the bus, I think. And that, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that blew the doors off of things for me. Like, yeah, that was amazing. When I was ready, that was amazing. What people also need to understand is it's not only the shadow work, it's not only about the dark. Because look, the fact is most of us have been walking around telling ourselves we're not enough, we're too stupid, we're too this, we're too that. All these negative, you know, don't be irresponsible, don't be this, don't be that. And we believe that to be the truth. Mm-hmm. Shadow work is very much about owning your light, owning what you admire in somebody else. And that, like I said, with the when you own the next piece of your light, you will take your next evolutionary leap. Yes. Yes. And people need to own their light. And it's harder for most people because tell me the bad stuff. It like, you know, in my book, I say it's like <laughs> goes back to that moment in Pretty Woman yes. where Julia Roberts says to Richard Gere, you know, the bad stuff is just so much easier to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you quoted that because it's um, so true. Yeah, well, that's my love of story. Yeah, I know, all the Julia Roberts rom-coms. Well, it's awesome because, it, I mean, it's such a, an insightful line from her character. I mean, yeah. it came from such a place of someone who could own that line in a way that maybe other people couldn't. Well, and, yeah, and, and that's it. It is just really getting it. But yeah. it was so true. It's just the hard stuff is easier to believe. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what most of us do believe the bad stuff about ourselves. Yeah. And that, I mean, I know part of your, your book is also then, I feel like the integrity is also kind of the integration. I mean, cause those are probably similar words of like integrating both of the, the dark and the light, but then building something new. And that's kind of what it seems some of your message around integrity was, would you like to kind of talk a little bit about like what happens when we show up in the world coming from that place of integrity? What does that well, look like? When you're for living us? an integrity guided life, you're happy with yourself. You're taking responsibility for yourself. You're taking responsibility for your choices. You're not projecting. And so when you start living an integrity guided life and you're really in your truth, then you're not the victim anymore. And you can hold other people in their integrity. You're walking your walk and you're able to just, it spins out to being part of collective integrity. Like as part of the book launch, it became bigger than a book. It became a movement, especially in this day and time mm-hmm. yes. where the world is so crazy. You know, it's a collective. The universe is showing us, you know, holds up a mirror in terms of us as individuals. And it also holds up a mirror in terms of collective, kind of shining a light on what needs to be re-examined, released, replaced. That's what we're really going through. And it's been a huge wake-up call in the last year. And then, you know, even the last few months, it's like every day there's something else coming up in the news, whether it's First Amendment right issue, you know, Second Amendment issues, this whole thing about sexual harassment and sexual assault. I mean, there's such conversations. Is there still supremacy and racism and prejudice? And so everything's coming up to be looked at with new eyes. And if you take on with integrity, just asking yourself, who am I? What do I stand for? And you take on being the change you want to see in the world, but you're not like, oh, I can change the world. No, but I can be that. I can take back my projections so I'm not spewing insults on social media and just creating more hate. Right. And so it gives you, when you're in integrity with yourself, you feel good and you can hold the collective in a totally different place mm. because you are of clean mind and clean body. So when you're being the person, if we all just focused on being the person we wanted to see in the world... Do you know the ripple effect that would have if we treated our relationships with that kind of, you know, if we treat ourselves with respect and then we gave that to other people? Yeah. If I'm in my joy and I can hold that spot for other people, I'm not worrying that, oh, my God, you know, if they're in their joy, that might somehow compromise my joy or I'm going to feel less because they're living a joyful life and I'm not. I'm like, I'm cool with me and I'm cool with you. How do I serve? Right. Yeah. Right. Because there's joy is an abundance, like as is love and all of those, what, probably higher vibrational emotions. Like there's no end of it. It just spiral up together. That's why people like, you know, having communities of like mind. You can spiral up. You can walk into, you know, we're all vibrational beings. You can walk into a room and you can feel either your energy go down or you can feel it expand. And with people, you feel that immediately, like, whoa, I don't know who this person is, but let them go on the other side of the street. Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah. Or you're instantly drawn to the one that feels joyful in a room. And yeah, or let me find out what are they about? What's even in launching this book? How do I help? How do I do it? What do I, you know, and that's people of integrity can hold, they're holding themselves in their highest and they can hold others in the highest and they're in the collective. And we always say that in the I, there's illness and in the we, there's wellness. And Mm. so always standing in the we. It's beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) I have to jot that one down super fast. Mm, That's so good. Mm. I mean, this has been such a treat, Kelly. I am absolutely just thank you so much. There's so much gratitude for you being on the show and sharing all this with the audience. Before we segue to the last couple of questions, is there anything you want to add to this conversation that you feel like is maybe missing? Well, I just, you know, I really want people to know life can be easy. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you're not going to have tough situations. We are going to have tough situations but it's how you navigate those situations and doing your work. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to be feeling that gnawing ache that there's something more. If you feel it, because that's because it is something more. Like if you're dreaming it, you're dreaming them because you're, you, they're your dreams and they are possible because otherwise you wouldn't be having those dreams because <laughs> the person next to you isn't having those dreams. Right. So do whatever you can. I would even say if you're listening to this podcast, you're meant to more because for more or living more, whatever that looks like to you. And suffering is optional. And there are amazing ways, whether it's integrity, shadow work, whatever. Find a teacher, find a coach. Life is too short. Don't live it in struggle. Mm. Yes, Mm, I totally agree. Find your joy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and, and that's At kind any of moment you can jumpstart your joy. Yeah. It's a choice. And that's kind An of invitation. That, <laughs> that invitation exists in every moment. Yes. It really does. And it is about choice and invitation and accepting it. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Thank you. So well stated. I mean, I have to say, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, it's both the inspirational side of it and the, you know, motivational side of it. But then there's, so much kind of pragmatic how-to, which is missing yeah. in so many other books. So I highly recommend it if you guys are resonating with what Kelly's saying and, and are curious. So do you want to... And what I also love about the but there is a lot of how-tos, but of course, that's how I was trained from Debbie. And mm-hmm. there always has... And, you know, it can't just be concepts without action steps because that yes. won't get you anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. all the processing in the world, if you're not taking action... And I also love, and probably going back to your first question, that there are stories. Well, I always think of it kind of like spirituality meets sex in the city, because you do <laughs> see yourself in so many of the stories, and they're real stories. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And you even had a story in there about someone named Paula, and I, I totally related to that one. So <laughs> it really is good, because yeah, you see yeah. yourself in them. If people wanted to find out more about the Integrity Advantage, where can they find it or where can they find out more about you? They can go to kellycasso.com. That's mm-hmm. the easiest place, K-E-L-L-E-Y-K-O-S-O-W.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find out about the shadow process, the work of the Ford Institute. You can certainly find out about the Integrity Advantage. The Integrity Advantage is being sold you now on Amazon and bookstores, on barnesandnobles.com, all the normal places. So you can find out, definitely you can buy the book. And on my website, they have 
more about the book. There's a book page that you can go to. So I think that's the cleanest, just going mm-hmm. there. Wonderful. And I will link up to all of that on the website as well. And then let's jump to the last couple of questions that I ask everyone. Where have you seen resistance come up in your life and how have you overcome it? I had a lot of resistance come up about letting go. Mm-hmm. I've always, whether it was letting go and especially around relationships, that letting go piece and maybe because I am the fixer, I don't want to admit that. So for me, there's always being, and until I really got letting go is about self-love and I can love you, but I just have to love me more. So I think letting go and change. And I can even feel now that even with the launch of this book, or as I started leading workshops after Debbie's death, and I think any time we're about to take our next evolutionary leap, resistance comes in because you're scared to death. (laughs) You know, it's like, am I going to fail? It's like, all of a sudden I'm thinking of failing again. It's like, oh, haven't I worked you out? But I think any time someone's about to go to their next up level, resistance will come in because you're like, oh, you know, my life wasn't so bad. Now why do I have to go do this? Like sometimes I'll sit there and I'll talk to Debbie and go, Debbie, really? Why am I here? (laughs) (laughs) Like I had a nice life. And so, but that's my fear. So I Mm -hmm. think any time we're going to let ourselves be seen, we're going to challenge ourselves, we're going to step out of the cage of that comfort zone. It's normal that resistance is going to come up. And what's the resistance? Mm -hmm. It's the fear. But what we say is don't resist your resistance. Have empathy for that little child who's scared to death to get up in third grade and read and get laughed at again. Have compassion. So don't resist your resistance. Look inside and say, what does I need? What does that little child need right now? Does it need to go out and take a walk in nature? Does it need a friend to come over to giggle? What do I need? Do I need a hug? So like everything, it's about the embracing of the resistance that because staying in resistance, that's the glue that keeps the pain in. But when we stop resisting the fact that we are resistant, then it melts. Mm, Yes. Ooh, I love what you've said here about resistance. Yeah, because it can just keep you stuck. Yeah. Thank you. Because <laughs> under resistance is the fear yeah. or the insecurity or maybe the laziness. But yeah, it's just another emotion that you just need to give yourself a hug. It and is. an acknowledgement, like, good for you. You wrote a book. Damn, go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you just put out your podcast. I work with some, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, you start a podcast from nothing. Like, good for you. Okay. It's not about how many people are downloading. Like, oh, no. you put yourself out there and you commit it. I'm going to do this week after week or whatever. And like, damn. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it's been interesting to see that in the classes where, cause it's terrifying to put your own voice out there. So yes. yeah, lots of people, big hugs for the inner child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's basically what they need. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, and then on to the last question, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world and in other people's lives? So of course I would say take on integrity as a lifestyle what I see is that most people don't have self-trust. That was one thing that shocked me when I started teaching and working with big numbers of people, how little people trusted themselves. 
you know, I call it exercising your muscle of self-trust, building your muscle of self-trust. And you do that by living in alignment with your integrity alignment monitor. You do that by honoring your truth, your desires, and really coming from that space. So I think that jumpstarts your joy. The second is I am very much a believer that things aren't happening to us. They're happening for us. So I live very much in this space that the universe is my most benevolent friend and partner. And that if something is happening, even what's happening in the world right now, it is for our evolution. It might be painful and terrible. And I feel my heart breaks for the mass destruction, but it's all for the evolution. So the way that I, when I look at life that way, that things are always happening for us and that the universe is my partner. That keeps me in a place of faith. It keeps me a place of joy. It keeps me in a place of trust, which is very important. So I love that I have just this amazing partner. Mm. (laughs) And I would say the third is shadow work, owning all of who you are. Because when you own that you are everything, you can manifest anything your heart desires. And you're not trying so hard to be X, Y, and Z. So I think because that's what takes us away from our joy, mm-hmm. trying to hide, trying to prove ourselves. So just being all of who you are. And when you understand you have everything inside of you, you can manifest anything on the outside. And so that's really cool. Mm. Mm, yes. Mm, thank you. Oh, Kelly, it has been such a treat to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It was great. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me this week. I really loved having you on the show and I really adore your book. Thank you so much for sharing about your life and finding joy. I loved your honesty about how you previously had an intolerance for your own mediocrity, which is something that I can totally relate to in my own life. If you want to learn more about Kelly, you can visit her at her website, which is kellycasau.com, or you can head to my website where I will have links to her site and more information along with my final thoughts on this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 107. From there, you can find the links to purchase her brand new book, and I do highly recommend it. It is a great read. While you're there, you can also sign up for Joy Plus You Unleashed. Next week, I am thrilled to have Rachel Barbeau on the show. Rachel was the first female sports casting host on Sirius XM College Sports Nation and is the first known female to have participated in a professional football training camp. She organized a group to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in honor of football player Kevin Turner and had all of the proceeds to go to the ALS Foundation. She's currently touring the country to share her message of changing the narrative, a program that encourages college football players and others to live their most authentic lives. This interview was one of those where Rachel and I just immediately connected, and it is so joy-filled that I just know you're not going to want to miss it. Come back next week to catch the whole thing, and until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.